You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. August 21st, Friday night, um, have a full slew of playoff games here, and uh, just after a big Utah Jazz win, uh, we are excited to get into a Utah Jazz focused podcast, rolling as always with Chip Murphy. Chip, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. Uh, second pod in two nights, you know, getting that work in, so we're, we're excited to talk some Utah Jazz, of course. Um, as I was mentioning, we're pumped to have a very talented writer on the show, Jordan Cummings from SB Nation's SLC Dunk. Jordan, how's it going? Pretty good after that Jazz win. Absolutely. Um, it's a what was it, one twenty four to eighty seven? I mean, com- yeah, one twenty four eighty seven. Yeah, uh, Denver got completely waxed. And uh, it's always interesting how the narrative changes after every game. You know, the the Nuggets. Uh, win game one and it's like you know uh, doomsday you know it's like Utah can't do anything right oh Mitchell's leaving and um, you know things change very quickly in the NBA Uh, but we have a whole bunch of Utah Jazz topics to get into I'm really excited for that but uh, typically when we have new writers on the show we want to give them a chance just to talk about uh, kind of their fandom the genesis of that Uh, Chip and I are both Knicks fans you know we're glutton for punishment you could probably say that (laughs) Uh, but the Utah Jazz are a really well-run organization and franchise. They have a very rich history with John Stockton and Carl Malone. So if you, if you could just kind of take us behind the curtain a little bit and just talk about your fandom and, uh, you know, some of the highlights of that. Sure. So probably my earliest, or, or at least my earliest vivid memory as a fan, was of Stockton hitting the shot to send the Jazz to the finals for the first time. And I, I was like... 10 years old, just sitting on the couch in my living room with my family. And I remember losing my mind, just jumping up and down, running around screaming because I was so pumped uh, to finally watch the Jazz in the final. Stockton was one of my favorite players growing up. Just loved watching him play. Uh, and, and that's kind of where it all started. Uh, and I've, I've been a diehard fan ever since. Awesome. Um, and and what, are, what are some things that stick out about uh, this team, as you move in transition from those those Malone and Stockton days, like what sticks out to you about the the current set of players? I I think what stands out to me the most is that Donovan Mitchell kind of has that that next level, that higher gear that you need a star player to have, especially in in clutch situations, postseason play. He's really taken it to another level this offseason so far. I mean, he's he's making things look easy that. Honestly, he kind of struggled with earlier on in his career. Like one-footed layups in traffic are something that he used to kind of struggle with. But it honestly looks like he has more bounce off of one foot now than he did before before quarantine, before lockdown. Uh, so it, it, he's the kind of player who expands on his game and looks to strengthen and shore up his weaknesses pretty much every offseason. I think uh, the the thing that stuck out to me about Mitchell too is like his confidence, man. Like I, I could not believe he yeah. he was on tra- he was um, driving in transition one on three, and it was like you said, it was that one footed layup. Um, but he had no shred of doubt in his mind that he was going to make that shot, and that's literally how he's approaching almost every every possession on the court. Um, so as a fan and and someone who writes about that team, it's got to be pretty awesome. To see because, and we'll go into Mitchell a little bit more later, but I know that 
the the question that always surrounds young players that are on a team, particularly when they have talent, is oh, can this guy be the best player in a championship team? Can this guy be the second best player in a championship team? And Mitchell, um, for all of his strengths, super athletic and a very exciting player, shot well from three this year. He's you know he, he's got his faults too. I think people up until maybe this playoff series or or at least some of this season, I've had some doubts about what his ceiling is. But to see how he's playing now, I mean, that's got to be pretty exciting to watch. Oh, for sure. And so far in the series, he hasn't looked like he's pressing or forcing anything. He's looked really comfortable the whole time so far, which I think is a really encouraging sign because there have been times, especially against the Rockets in – in the previous two postseasons, where it was pretty clear that he wasn't really comfortable on offense um, when he's being guarded by guys like Trevor Ariza, you know, last postseason or the postseason before. Um, but he's he's really stepped into his own, and he's just controlling the game. I mean, if Denver doubles, he's finding the open guy. He's he's making good passes. He's making smart reads. He's really putting together a complete game that you want to see from your franchise player or one of Utah's franchise players, I should say. Yeah. Oh, he's, uh, he's definitely exciting to watch on, on kind of in a jealous way, uh, a focus of many topics of conversation in Nick's Twitter. Um, so, you know, you have a, a pretty good star on your hands. If you have other teams, fan bases, you know, kind of just like chomping at the bit, like, Oh, can we get him via trade? Is it possible? <laughs> you know, what's it going to take? Um, but I want to rewind a little bit, I guess, to go back to a little bit more of a general question. The Jazz, uh, as I was saying before, a really interesting team to me for a lot of reasons. Um, and, you know, for a really good team, what I was reading about them in, in preparation for this podcast is uh, how kind of inconsistent they were. I saw a, a visual, you know, they were eighth in net rating, I think, prior to the shutdown. But if you look at um, pockets in terms of like, you know, uh, week or multi-week intervals, you know, they were almost like a top five or a top six team in offense and defense or almost at the bottom of the league in some areas as well, uh, which is really interesting for a really good team. Uh, Is that something that you would attribute to injuries? I know they had a fair amount of those this year. Um, fit Mike Connolly, obviously, you know, uh, huge contract, you know, struggled early on in the season, most of the season. Uh, what would you attribute some of those inconsistencies to? Uh, I, I think you already touched on a couple of them. Um, I mean, health is always going to be a factor in an 82 game season. I, I guess this year, not 82 because of coronavirus, but, um, uh, yeah, I think, f- for Mike Conley to go from, what was it, 13 years in Memphis, 12 or 13 years in Memphis, where he's got the ball in his hands the whole time, he's the the only off-the-dribble playmaker pretty much on that entire roster for the majority of his career there, and then to move into a more like Euro-style offense under Quinn Snyder, where there's a lot of off-ball movement, you know, Quinn calls it the blender, getting the blender going, where you drive and kick, drive and kick, and force the defense into scramble mode until you find the open shot or the open driving lane that gets you a, a layup or a dump off pass to the to the big for a dunk. So I think that was a big part of Utah's struggles, especially early on, is one of their floor generals wasn't quite comfortable yet within the offense. But I think it was probably around February late late January, early February, when things really started to seem like they had clicked in for Mike Conley. And I think that's been, I mean, he, he was a revelation tonight. Yeah. After, after coming back from, from visiting his wife and kids. Yeah. Um, and congrats to him on the, on the new baby, by the way. But uh, what was it? Was he six or seven from, from deep? Yeah, man, he was, he was on fire so much so that I saw on Twitter that, uh, Chris Herring of 538, someone was joking, because he's always got these very interesting uh, titles for articles, and someone was like, you need to do research on players coming back from, you know, childbirth and how they do, and he started, <laughs> he started it, he was like, uh, you know, <laughs> D- Dennis Schroeder, you know, he was like, can, can, you know, NBA Twitter help me out here, 
Uh, but clearly he was riding some type of wave and, um, you know, for the jazz. The Fred Van Vliet yeah. last year. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's right. Cool. Yep. Um, Chip, I was going to hand it over to you for our next question. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask you, Jordan, the, the one of the big knocks about the jazz has been, I'm glad you brought up the inconsistency, Jeff, because one of the big knocks on them has been like, they always crush the lesser teams and they struggle against the good teams. To the point where Denver actually seemingly tanked so they could avoid the Rockets because the Rockets have knocked them out and uh, they wanted to play Utah. Yeah. But I, I mean, so what is your feeling going forward on that? Do you think that that's like a legitimate theory or do you think that it's just all like coincidence or does this team have what it takes like to get to the next level, this core of players. I mean, it's really hard to say in the, in the bubble, it seems like just about anything can happen. I mean, Orlando beat their matchup is Milwaukee, right? The Milwaukee the yeah. bucks in game one. I think the series is tied after last night's games, right? It's one of yeah. these now, but with, without any real home court advantage, I, I think seating matters less this year than it probably ever has. So I, I don't know if this particular Utah team has all of the right pieces and all of the right, just everything lining up. Because you have to be really, really lucky to win a championship, even even with a great team. But I think the consistency against the elite teams is what sets apart a, an actual contender from just a great like perennial 50 or 55 win team. In order to take that next step as a team, yeah, you you guys nailed it. You you've got to be you've got to be solid against the entire league, not just twenty or twenty five bad to mediocre teams. Chip, um, yeah. I was no, go ahead. Me, yeah, um, I'm trying to see which which way I kind of want to go with this one. Um, another guy that I've really looked into with the jazz and and I was talking with Chip a little bit about him. It might have been a couple podcasts ago. We were tweeting about him earlier today too is Jordan Clarkson. So, oh yeah, I want that as well too. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh Clarkson's like a really interesting player to me. So we did a Cleveland Cavaliers episode and we had a writer come on, Evan Damorell, and he essentially told us that once Clarkson was traded from the Cavs that John Beeline was like besides himself. That Clarkson was so important to the rotation and in terms of offense that like Beeline didn't know what to do. Like he didn't know how to how to craft his rotation or what we what he was going to do. Um, and Clarkson has essentially become one of the most potent bench scorers uh, for Utah. Um, what has he meant to your team? I mean, it's somewhat of an obvious question, but I do know that he's also got. Uh, you know, I think he's a free agent coming up as well, and and Utah's yeah, cap is. situation is pretty interesting. Uh, what what does he mean to the team, and is is there a world where he's back in a Utah Jazz uniform next season? I I I do think that part of Utah's consistency issue, especially over the last few years, has been a lack of bench scoring. And Jordan Clarkson, I think he's the quintessential sixth man. He's got that microwave 2K badge where oh, yeah. he just heats up in an instant, right? Um, but he's also the kind of player who he can kind of fit in both worlds. He can fit in Quinn Snyder's offense. I mean, he's, he's not as good at it as some of the others, but he's still able to move without the ball, make the right pass. But he's also really good at getting his own shots when the offense breaks down. And, you know, it's late in the shot clock. Having another playmaker next to Mitchell who can take some of the pressure off of him is huge for Donovan to, to take possessions off and, and kind of just wait in the corner while Jordan or Joe or Mike goes to work with the ball in their hands. So I think having more playmakers like that has just been enormous for Utah. And I, that trade being this season is crazy to me, by the way. That feels like it was so long ago. Yeah, it does. It does, um, but it's just like honestly to me, uh, and I mean Clark Clarkson's always been a decent scorer, but to me it's just kind of um, another sign of of you know 
Quinn Snyder, the coaching staff, and and the culture that they have there, uh, that's things are things are really well run, and that's kind of what I want to transition to next. Um, you know, even guys like Royce O'Neal. You know, when you have the the Utah Jazz, a small market team, you're going to have to play prioritize player development over big free agent signings, at least historically. Um, and Royce, yeah, I think Bojan Bogdanovich is probably the biggest free agent signing the franchise has ever had. Yeah, honestly. and a great signing, and a great signing. Um, yeah, he's you know, really good. An absolutely great floor spacer. Uh, and Royce O'Neal, you know, a, a guy that shot well, um, you know, really a, a, another kind of nice feather in the, in the cap of development. Uh, what do you see in, in your coverage of the Jazz? Chip and I are massive Quinn Snyder fans. I know he's uh, he signed an extension. I don't know if it was last season or, or the season before. Uh, what do you see with Quinn Snyder specifically and, and his coaching staff that has really kept this Utah Jazz team um, with decent talent, but I wouldn't say it's amazing talent, uh, always in the mix in the Western Conference? Well, I, I think a big part of it is Dennis Lindsay, and uh, I, I forget the new GM's name. So Dennis Lindsay is now president of basketball operations or something like that. So he's not in a hand, as much of a hands-on role as he was, but finding finding undrafted or second-round guys like Joe Ingles or like Royce O'Neal, or, I mean, Utah has three or four guys like Mie Oni, Jarrell Brantley, and Tucker, Juwan Morgan, that are yeah. all kind of like waiting to step in and all of them have played really good basketball when they've gotten the opportunity in Orlando. Um, so I think it was smart by Utah, not only to sort of tank their last, what was it? Five, they lost five straight bubble games to end it to help them with seating, but they also got to get a good look at a lot of these young players to, to see what things look like moving forward next year. Mm. Cause young cheap players, being productive is it makes a huge difference when when your eleven through fifteen guys on the end of the bench are quality NBA players in spot minutes, then that gives you an opportunity to be more flexible in what you do with you know four through ten on the bench. I'd uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you as a Knicks fan. Um... Is there anything that you know specifically about Johnny Bryant that you can kind of throw as a, a a life vest of hope to us? Or Walt yeah, Parent. So, or Walt, or Walt Parent. Yes. Yeah. So Johnny Bryant, from from what I hear, is has been a really key player in terms of Utah's player development. He worked really closely with Gordon Hayward in the off season before Hayward was an All Star with Utah uh, before signing with Boston. Um, so a lot of the steps that Hayward took, he attributed to Johnny Bryant and, and the work that they did together. Um, and Bryant, Johnny Bryant was also pretty, pretty significant in Donovan Mitchell's development as well. So in terms of getting young guys to, to grow as players and develop their skill sets and kind of give them a bigger toolbox to work with, he's been amazing. He, his, losing him is going to hurt. And anything on uh, Walt Perrin? I know scouting was uh, always his thing, and I, I think one of the cool quotes I heard about him was that if there was a basketball game somewhere, he knew about it. Like he was always on the road; he was <laughs> he was traveling everywhere. You know, he he kept his um, eyes and ears to everything, so he, he's always got a good knowledge of the young players out there. Yeah, I think Walt Perrin was a pretty big, important piece in Utah finding those diamond and the rough guys. Yeah, the guys, the guys who are overlooked that then step in and and become good productive players, like Ingles or O'Neal. Most definitely, hitting on guys consistently like that is you have to have it if you're a small yeah. market team and you can't sign big free agents every two or three years. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Chip, Chip, I'm gonna hand it to you. Yeah, uh, I think we need to talk about Donovan Mitchell's status. The Rudy Gobert feud, if that's what you want to call it, at least a little bit. Uh, yeah. The Rudy Gobert obviously tested positive for COVID, and Donovan Mitchell tested positive, and 
I wanted to ask you as a fan, someone who covers the team, we know ESPN wrote an article about it and Gobert commented, Mitchell commented. I think Mitchell said, we said everything we needed to say to each other. Gobert, I think said, we don't need to be friends to play well together. So as a fan and someone who covers the team, do you think there's still like an issue or do you think it's been overblown by the media? So I do think that there was an issue. I also think that it was overblown for clicks and, and articles and website traffic for all the, all the sports outlets that were writing on it. Um, but winning is a pretty good cure for just about any chemistry issues. Um, so Utah taking a pretty strong hold of this series being up two games to one and pretty much everybody on Utah's roster playing an incredible series so far. Gobert looked great today. Yeah. yeah he oh, he destroyed Jokic in that matchup. Yeah. I, I can't believe how dominant Rudy was. He wants um, to, he clearly wants to prove something against Jokic because Jokic gets oh, all the talk. I, yeah. I, I, he takes, he takes the matchups personally, it seems. Yeah. Which I love, and it brings out the best in in Gobert, and it makes for a great basketball game. So I'm all about it. Just to uh... He's, and oh, sorry, but no, 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 I was no, just going to say, yeah. and people are, and it's kind of exposing Jokic a little bit because people are really going after Jokic on Twitter and saying he d- he did not play with a lot of effort today. No, at least that's like how it seemed. He was he was pretty slow on rotations. Just didn't even oh, didn't try to protect the Rams on a bunch of possessions. It was not, not a good game for him. Not a good look. Nah. One other thing I wanted to add with Mitchell, um, and it's more about the fit with him and Gobert on the court. Um, interested to get your take on this. So I saw an article from 538 that essentially kind of identified that Donovan Mitchell was not, you know, super efficient in isolation, you know, was, was pretty good with spot up threes. Um, but the 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 writer's um, point was to say that if Mitchell is going to reach his ceiling, that he needs to get to the line more and that he needs to drive more. And that essentially uh, Gobert was kind of taking up space in the sense of, you know, being in the paint when Mitchell needs to drive. Um, and I think if I know I had it in my notes here that when uh, – Mitchell shoots off the pick and roll when Gobert sets the screen. It ranks, you know, his his points per possession ranks essentially within the 29th percentile. Now, like statistics can tell any story that you want and and fit a narrative that that is out there, but again, as someone who watches this team a lot, um you know, do you think in order for Donovan Mitchell to reach his ceiling, his full potential that Rudy Gobert somehow impedes this. Do you think that uh, these two, you know, financially from a salary cap standpoint, um, will fit the Jazz's next, you know, five to ten year plans? Like, how, how do you see that going? Um, well, for Mitchell to hit his ceiling as a player, I think that his long term position moving forward needs to be point guard. Okay. I, th- I think he is by far the best with the ball in his hands as the primary playmaker and just surround him with shooters. Get him a, get him a big who can screen like Gobert and just let him go to work. Um, he, he is a little bit undersized for the two. His wingspan makes up for it a little bit, but yeah. he's six one, really, if we're being honest. Like he's listed at 6'3", yeah. but he, uh, he's not 6'3". Um, I do think that Gobert can be that guy, but the salary cap situation for Utah does complicate that a little bit because it's going to, it's going to be tough to swallow if the Jazz decide to give a supermax contract to a 30 something year old Rudy Gobert. Cause if he has one leg or ankle or back injury, he, he could be done. Right. I mean, we've seen big guys like. Hibbert and Dwight Howard, who, who's kind of revitalized his career a little bit with LA. Um, but there are so many big guys who just have a couple of nagging injuries and it completely changes their effectiveness as a player. Um, I think 
just repetition of Mitchell and Gobert pick and roll so that they can develop better chemistry. I, th- I think Donovan needs to look for the pass a little bit more, get a little bit better at the lob pass. That's something that he's not great at yet. I mean, Joe Ingles lob passing to Gobert out of the pick and roll is fantastic. Yeah. But it's, it's a pass that so far Donovan hasn't been able to consistently find. Which would you, uh, you know, two, two more things on Mitchell. Uh, I know Chip and I are big Rudy Gobert guys and um, always see him as a, a defensive player of the year candidate regardless. I mean, he does, does so much for the team. I think prior to this season, if you were to ask me to pick one, even with the stark age difference, I might say Gobert just because I think it's so hard to find um, like a really, really, really elite, strong defensive player. But um, I don't know. I don't know about that anymore. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is playing so well. But if you had to prioritize one of the players, and it's so it's a difficult question because age comes into play so much. I mean, Mitchell is so much younger, but... Um, right. Who who would you prioritize? Donovan. Okay. And, and that's not because I don't like in a vacuum in terms of player effectiveness. I think Rudy Gobert is the better player. Yeah. In, in terms of impact on the game and contribution to wins, but like you said, age and there are very very there's a very very small list of teams that have won a championship with a center as their best player. Right. Yeah. And and the last time that it happened was probably in the 90s with um houston with hakeem that that might be the last time well i guess Shaq, but still having you had kobe yeah Yeah. you have i mean i think that one that symbiotic relationship might have been a little bit more the other direction i think Shaq was the more dominant player in those championships um Mm -hmm. it just doesn't happen anymore To, to win and compete at an elite level and, and be a contender, you have to have a high-volume, efficient scorer that can create his own shot off the dribble, yeah. usually a guard or a wing. Like, that's that's pretty much square one. If your team doesn't have that, you're not going to win. I think Gobert raises Utah's floor, but I think Donovan Mitchell raises their ceiling, especially if he continues to develop his game. Imagine him after four more years of experience when he's actually in his prime. The sky's the limit for the kid. Chip, you on board with it's that? Kinda like the, the, it's kind of like the Sixers situation with them beating Simmons a little bit. Not and Simmons isn't the score Mitchell is, but that they might have to move off Embiid at some point. But uh, as far as Mitchell goes, since we're talking about Mitchell, I wanted to ask you, since Jalen Rose brought up that he just randomly, for some reason, brought up that he doesn't think and acted like he has inside information, I guess. He thinks he he doesn't think that Donovan Mitchell is going to stay in Utah long term. But I wanted so I, I still wanted Didn't to Jalen ask Rose you. Rose also say that Kawhi was one hundred percent or was that Chris Herring? There were a bunch of play a bunch of reporters who reported that Kawhi was one hundred percent for sure going to the Lakers. Oh. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I do Bruce remember Sa- that. No. Oh Chris no, Broussard. I, no, no, right. no. Chris right. Broussard. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't mix Chris Herring's great. I don't, don't don't let's not mix up those two guys. Chris Broussard <laughs> is terrible. Yeah. yeah. Chris Herring's Herring great. is nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mixed up the last names on that one. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Chris Herring. Nope. Yeah, Chris Herring's great. <laughs> uh but I did want to ask you if you're because as Knicks fans, we saw it with Porzingis. He didn't want to sign an extension with us and forced his way out. So I, I don't think Donovan Mitchell has a, a personality at all like Kristaps Porzingis. But I did want to ask you if you're at all concerned about Donovan Mitchell maybe leaving, at, just at, in any way concerned. I mean, after the Gordon Hayward situation, that's kind of always in the back of your mind yeah. as a fan, right? Like a lot of jazz fans were convinced that Hayward was going to stay and, and just that having the rug pulled out from underneath you kind of a feeling that's, that's hard. That lingers for a while like that. It's the first all-star we've had since what Darren Williams was with the team. So, so losing him hurt a lot. Um, But Mitchell has embraced the city. He's embraced the state. Um, You know, he's, he's shut it down when, when people, talk to him about going to the Knicks or the Nets or whatever other team on Twitter, he, he shuts it down pretty quickly. And I, I do think that him seeing guys like Gordon Hayward 
leave to go somewhere else and their situation maybe not being as great, maybe that makes him more likely to stay. I don't know. Yeah. But he's he's the kind of player that if he stays, he's probably going to have a statue next to John and Carl. Who do you that see? Might to him. Yeah. <laughs> who do you see as um, you know? I've I've heard the Dwayne Wade comps. Is there any other player, uh, past or present, um, when you're looking at his ceiling that you that you see him kind of maybe following that path? So uh, his his rookie season, as he kind of hit the scene and just started exploding in production, um, I I used to refer to him as a Wade Lillard hybrid. Okay. Cause he had kind of that quick twitch speed and agility of Dwayne Wade. And, and, and now, especially after working on his game, he's, he's got some of that off the dribble pull up game that Dame has obviously not to the same level. Dame is ridiculous. Um, but I think Mitchell has that potential to, to be kind of a blend of those two players on offense. I mean that would be. I know uh, that's a that's a high ceiling. Pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> really, but yeah. if you think about everything that he's done, and he's only in year three, like yeah, he just scored the a lot third of most points in playoff yeah. history. It's true, it's the most, the most MJ in '85 yeah. or, or whatever it was. I mean, I'm not going to doubt him. I'm not going to bet against him. No, neither am I. Um, no. In terms of moving forward. You know, salary cap again. Uh, the, it, it's tight. Uh, you you know you could have Clarkson's money coming off the books. I don't think there's any other huge contracts that are coming off. Um, do you see the Jazz in the market at all uh, to try and swing a trade? Uh, the one thing I was thinking with Mitchell's uh, extension conversation is if they swung a trade to try and get another more established vet, maybe a role player, but someone who really does you know, move them the, the needle on a slightly bigger level than a role player, um, you know, could convince him, okay, you know, this team is committed towards building. Obviously, they're already committed towards developing. But, um, you know, really trying to even the playing field amongst the Lakers and the Clippers of the world. Uh, do you see that as a possibility? I know that Lindsey and the Utah crew are at least – uh, from a perception, a little bit more measured. Don't take huge swings like that. But do you see that as a possibility? Yeah, the front office is a little bit more methodical than than a lot in the league. Um, because of the cap situation and how much revenue teams have lost since March, um, the next... The next few years are going to be really interesting. I think a lot of teams, and I think Utah's one of them, are going to be looking to make cost-saving moves, cost-cutting moves. Um, and so I don't think Utah are going to be big players in free agency. They might look for a trade to, to get some money off the books. Golden State has a seventeen what is it $17.2 million traded player exception from the Iguodala trade. Bojan makes seventeen million. I mean, it's. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, could be could be something there. Yeah, because he's on the books for what? I think two two or three more seasons. I think. Two, yeah, two or three, and his timeline fits with Golden State. I mean, it's intriguing. That's it would, a, it that's would suck a really to, to that's a really like him, interesting. Really interesting. The traded player exception know. and the number what is it number two pick number five yeah number pick. number number two pick number two number two pick. and they are going to trade that pick I think I don't think they'll take a player there. yeah I don't think I don't think they keep that pick I would be really surprised if they did I th- I think they leverage that and the traded player exception to try and get a an NBA ready yeah, player right, right now mm-hmm. no, that makes sense they'll probably get Bradley Beal or some shit. They do. Oh my goodness! <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they'll end up with someone so good the, and the just rich, the rich come richer. right back into it. <laughs> That'd be a, that would be a fun lineup. Yeah, yeah. Steph next to Beal. Chip, any um, any other questions from your end? I don't think so. I think I asked everything I wanted to ask. What about you? I think um, yeah, I had something on. Bogdan Bogdanovich, but it wasn't really a question. It was just more about his injury. Um, 
I, I guess I, you know, I Chip did kind of ask this already a little bit, but Jordan, what do you think? I mean, I, I, it's such a tough spot for small market teams to be in in terms of competing for the ultimate goal is a championship. But there's a lot to be said for teams that are consistently good. Um, what do you what do you think is the most realistic path to a championship for the Utah Jazz? Do they do they does the fan base just kind of wait and say, okay, we have Mitchell and we have Gobert, and we are just going to continue to draft and develop, and our homegrown talent is either going to be the reason we win or it's not, or um, do they have to get a little bit more creative? Um, like the the way I kind of compare it, and I, I've talked with Chip about this a lot. The Toronto Raptors when they swung that trade for. Uh, obviously Kawhi, but even even to right. another extent, Marcus Saul. Like the Raptors were also kind of this team, right? Like they kept going to the conference final. It's just Demar and, and Kyle, Demar and Kyle, Demar and Kyle, and then all of a sudden they swing the trade for Kawhi. Then they get Gasol, uh, and they win a championship. So, I you know what what do you think is the most realistic path? I, well, I think you nailed it. Is the that that path that Toronto took, where like you mentioned, they were kind of on the cusp and, and always there, but never quite getting over the hump. And then they leverage one of their hometown heroes, one of their star players to, to get better. I think that's the way that Utah is going to have to do it, whether that's leveraging Rudy Gobert in a trade in a, a year or two or three years to get um, a young up and coming wing to, to pair alongside Mitchell or whether that's, trading Royce O'Neal and a couple of other pieces to a team that's looking for depth, but maybe to offload uh, a, a top tier player. I, I think something like that is what's going to happen. Um, Cause I don't think that a small market team can keep up when teams in LA or New York or Boston or wherever it is can have basically their pick of the litter, every free agency. Right. Right. It's, it's just it, they're they're fighting an uphill battle, and so they have to take a different approach. Right. I think um, last one for for me, and it's kind of a fun one. It was just some really really random jazz thought that popped into my head. Right. Um, were you a Dante Exum fan? Did you think he was going to be good when he was drafted? And you know, were you sad to see him go? I'll say this bef- before you get started. I. Okay. I was convinced that Dante Exum was going to be one of the best players from that draft when he came out, and I just, I, you know, he got injured, um, so he, he had his fair share of injuries. But I was very sad to see that he didn't pan out the way I thought he would. Before you answer, can I add in this one thing about Dante Exum? I was this family friend of mine who said he was like a big NBA fan. He, I he knew I was an NBA guy and wrote about the NBA before the Dante Exum draft. He says, you got to look out for Dante Exum. He's a jump shot. Like Reggie Miller. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Okay. So going into that draft, when Utah had, what was it? The fifth, fifth pick, right? Um, they had, they had won a, a game on a buzzer beater, like right towards the end of the season to take them from pick number three or four to pick number five. Real good tank job, guys. Um, <laughs> but I remember going into that draft, I was like, Dante Exum has the biggest bust potential out of any so you, of the guys so in this you draft. Knew. So you knew. So, so I didn't believe, but then they drafted him, and so I tried to be a good fan and like get on board and, and believe in him. Um, and it was weird, because Utah had, t- had just drafted Trey Burke the draft before, right? So they have this kind of like, undersized score first mentality point guard and then they have this just genetic freak what was he six six with like a six foot ten wingspan playing point guard like couldn't really score but he could defend really well the injuries were super unfortunate but like at some point you got to be able to put it together and i it's amazing that dennis Lindsay and justin zanuck turn Dante Exum into Jordan Clarkson somehow. Like, that's crazy to me. I don't know why the Cavs did that trade. Clarkson's, the ca- Clarkson's the a Cavs. good player. Yeah. <laughs> Clarkson's a rotation, yeah. a good rotation player. Exactly. Like, I don't, I did not get that trade at all. 
mean, Exum still is only like 23 years old. Yeah. I he, guess he's if still you're, really young. I just, if I just don't see it. His jump shot mechanics are really mechanical. Um, I don't think he'll ever shoot better than like 33, 34% from deep, if that. Uh, and he's crazy quick and athletic, but he doesn't seem to, he doesn't seem to be able to actually utilize that agility and quickness to get to the rim. It's really weird. Like all of the pieces are there, but he, he somehow hasn't been able to put it together. Yeah, I guess if you're going to go somewhere where you have the time to develop, Cleveland, they certainly have the timeline right now um, to do that. So I do hope it works out for him. When, once he, when he got that extension, I was kind of like, all right, well, they see something. I mean, it, it's kind of there. It might happen. And then it just didn't. Um, but, uh, but Chip, it, it, if you don't have anything. Highway robbery. That's yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Great trade for them. But, uh, Jordan, before we get you out of here, I, I was just going to ask, uh, you know, if, if you could tell the good people listening where they can find you on Twitter, um, you know, where they can find, uh, you know, your, your features, articles, if there's anything that you're working on specifically right now that you want to promote, you know, please do so. Sure. So on Twitter, it's at J underscore D underscore Cummings, uh, writer for SLC Dunk. Uh, I'm excited about the upcoming draft. I'm, I'm oh, starting yeah. to look at prospects and, and get excited about a couple of young players that are about to come into the league. Um, I don't know if Utah gets into the first round or not this year. I think they, they traded their – did they trade their pick this year? No, it doesn't convey to Memphis. Uh, I guess because of the protections on it. So I think Utah does keep this year's first round pick. Um, but that's that's all I've got coming up in the next little bit. But uh, yeah, keep keep an eye out for me on Twitter. I rage tweet during games, so <laughs> yeah, it's good times. As uh, as as we all do, Chip and I know all about that. Who do you like during the draft, Jordan? Because Jeff's a huge draft guy. Yeah. So. One guy that I really like a lot, and I think he's I think he's going to slip further than he should. Um, I'm going to say he's this year's Brandon Clark. I think is uh, Jalen Smith. Oh yes. Oh yeah, dude, I love Jalen Smith. Um, like six ten, seven foot two ish wingspan, like two solid two twenty five, two thirty. I think I think he's got a ton of potential. Yeah. Uh, I have him right now, I believe. Um, so it's funny. I think on my big board, I actually have him uh, top 20 or maybe early 20s. But <clears throat> I think a lot of mocks that I've seen him, they have him around the 25 to 27 range. Uh, I hope he slips to the Knicks. I, I hope he slips to the Knicks at 27. Uh, that would be great. But I think once people really start you know, getting into uh, – all of the tape and film, as I'm sure they have been doing already. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that really pops with him. He's not super yeah. athletic, but that's fine. Uh, I think his jump shot is really yeah, smooth. His, his shooting stroke yeah. for how big he is is yeah. just sweet. Yeah, and he's he's smart from everything I read. He's a good kid. Like he's going he's going to help whatever team he goes to. Really. Yeah, his, and his defense, his defensive instincts are really solid. Yeah, his weak side it? shot blocking, weak side help defense. I I think he's got really good three and D combo forward potential. Right. Like a this is this is another big name, but Robert Cuffington. Yeah, listen. Like he he reminds me a little bit of Rocco. Yeah, in terms of his build and his ability to switch on defense. Good nose for the ball. I really like the kid a lot. This draft is very heavy in guards too. I mean, towards that back end, uh, you might have guys like Malachi Flynn, Grant Riller. Um, you know, there, there's going to be, uh, no shortage of like, it's not a very stacked draft, but there's going to be, I think some impact players, uh, definitely towards the back end of the first round and maybe a little bit in the second round too. So I'm, I'm really excited once we get more into that too. It, it, it seems like every draft, the, the talk is about how weak the draft is and then yeah. the draft is stacked with players. Like, yeah, that does happen. How, how, do the, how does this happen every year? Why do we go through this every time? It does happen, but I think it's going to be particularly uh, interesting this year because we didn't get to see an NCAA tournament for a lot of these guys. And so, right. It's, sometimes it's a much that, bigger crapshoot. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really, uh, you know, you really got to rely heavily on your scouting, which is going to be interesting. But, you know, for the Utah Jazz, that's been something that uh, historically has been very successful for them. So I think that, 
you know, you guys have a lot to look forward to. Um, we're very, very happy as Knicks fans to have poached a couple of, you know, uh, smart guys from your your organization there. So we're hoping we can get some of that player development sauce on our side. Yeah, treat those guys better than you treated Jeff Hornacek. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Hornacek deserved better than that. Come on now. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I at, mean, at least you guys aren't as bad at Fe- as Phoenix. Phoenix yeah. is just where coaches go to die. I swear. Yeah. yeah. At least he won in Phoenix. Man, they really did him dirty there. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, he seemed like he was doing great, and then they just cut him loose right after they had their best season in years since Nash left. It was, yeah. it was so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, offensively, I liked Hornacek. I, I you know, he, he was an interesting guy. He always just struck What's me. What's he up to now? He's just chilling no with his idea. family. I think he's just chilling with his family, honestly. Like, every time I see a... Uh, something on on social media he's like hanging with his daughter or his wife or something like that um his daughter he, works in sports all right uh, i think she does you could be right about that i'm not sure but you know what was funny know. honestly like i i do think jeff hornacek is a smart guy i don't know man and maybe this is just like perception meets reading too much I, I just don't know if new york was a great fit for him like i just don't know if like like he yeah, would, he would be talking to the media and like you know, he kind of had this, like, aw shucks personality, and, like, you know, it, it was just, and not even that, like, the New York media, they're not, like, as they're not hard-hitting sharks like everyone thinks they are, but I just don't know if it was a great mix, and then, uh, yeah, when when he got off the freaking plane, Perry and, and Mills just axed him right there, and then when we heard about that, I was like, come on, really? But, you know. That's brutal. Jeez. But it was so. tough on him, I mean, to coach... It was tough for him to coach a team with Melo, Joakim Noah, yeah. and then Joakim Noah got literally got into a fight with yeah. him. I like, still can't I, believe that Joakim Noah contract. That summer was insane. Dude, that was you're preaching to the choir, man. And the sad part is, I I bought into it. Wasn't that it. the same summer Mozgov got like forty million? Bismack, Biombo, everything, sixty, man. sixty at like midnight. He got like every 60 team million. was just throwing tens of millions of dollars at mediocre bigs. Yeah, it was crazy. And the yeah. Lakers traded Mozgov. The Knicks were like the only team that couldn't get off their fucking contract. <laughs> Noah was the only guy. <laughs> oh, man. Now, hey, and now the Knicks have 17 centers, so you guys are doing great. Yeah. yeah. Well, Fortunately, they're all gone. Yeah. You're going, they're, they're on, on, you're going team, for the Orlando Magic strategy where team, you just team like all of the big men. <laughs> Yeah, really, at least you know, some of the Orlando match, like Jonathan Isaac, is oh, a, a love franchise. No, he's very yeah. good. He's very good. But they have no room for him because they've got Vucevic, they've got Aaron Gordon, they've got like three other bigs. They don't have any room. Bamba, Bamba, yeah. Kem Birch, yeah. another solid. Kem Birch is a good player. Solid I player, like Kem yeah. Birch a lot. He's yeah. solid. Yeah. This is a very pro Orlando Magic podcast. Yeah, it is. We uh, <laughs> we, we like the Orlando Magic. We like uh, it wounded. Yeah, lifelong Orlando wounded. Magic fan here after that game one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That was that was the best the Orlando Magic could have possibly played. Like, <laughs> most definitely. This playoffs is going to be insane. Yeah, like I th- I think we're going to see crazy upsets. It's going to be probably some weird finals matchup. I I hope yeah. I put there's a part of me that hopes so just uh you know for um just to try and get I think the Rockets could piss people off and do so I I wouldn't be surprised. The Rockets are such a bad matchup for almost every top tier team in the West. It's funny yeah. I didn't I didn't think they were going to be that hot especially with Westbrook being injured in the start. Um, I was even telling Chip, I was like, I, I think the Thunder, Thunder could snag some games, maybe win the series, and it's like, whoa, maybe not. Um, They've looked so good defensively. I yeah. was shocked by that. I, I don't I've know. Never the, seen I don't them think care they, that much. They don't have the depth. I think they run out of gas by round two. Yeah. Playing That's every awesome. other day when you're eight guys deep and your biggest biggest player on your on your rotation is six nine. Like it's. How do you he sustain refuses that? To go, he refuses to go to nine. Has the guys. He could go to nine. I don't get it. But That's maybe. Dan I don't Tony. know. They won game two and Harden played like shit. But no, it's weird. It's interesting. It is interesting. They're a weird team. Yeah, it's so bizarre. 
if you had to, Jordan, who's your who who would be your finals matchup? If I could pick any two teams, yeah, uh, you know what for for kind of what you would want to see, not what you think is going to happen. Oh my gosh, um, Jazz versus the Celtics. Oh, I like <laughs> and, that. And and Donovan Mitchell dunks on Gordon Hayward as time expires to win Game Seven. Is there is there legit? <laughs> is, I mean, uh, you you talked about the um, kind of the lingering sting there. Is there like legit? Bad feelings still for Gordon Hayward, like oh, jazz fans hate him. Really? Yes. Wow. So really? does he? So when he comes back, he gets booed. Really, he gets booed pretty loud. Yeah, every time. Every <laughs> time. Even though you're better now than you ever were when he was on the team, really? Yeah. Imagine how much better they'd be with a healthy Gordon Hayward. That's wow. true. That's, that's true. a good point. Like that's a, a big wing who can do a little bit of everything. That's exactly the player that the Jazz need to. to take that next step to go wow. up to that next level. Nah. I mean, they kind of have it in Joe Ingles, but he's more of a glue guy than a, than a number two. Yeah. Nah. Not bad, man. Well, I think, uh, I think that's what it's funny. We were literally about to end the podcast and then we just went on this rant. Um, <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, that is, that is kind <laughs> of, that's pretty, that is Thanks, pretty, Timothy Mozgov. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty par for the course with us, but, um, Listen, man, thank you so much for, for spending some time and uh, talking Utah Jazz with us. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll be sure, you know, what we like to do is make connections with writers so that when big things happen with the team, we can call you back on the show and, and have you break it down for us because uh, we're always trying to meet new people and learn about, you know, the other teams in the NBA. We're always so Knicks-centric that we forget that there's, you know, 29 other teams or whatever <laughs> it is, so... Um, yeah, when the Jazz win in Game Five to close out the series, give me a call. Yes, uh, we will. We will. So you can book that. We will certainly do that. Um, Absolutely. But listen, man, thanks again. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, you know we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, for the guys listening out there, you know the next episode in our NBA A through Z series will be the New York Knicks. Hopefully, we can have a very special guest for you guys. Until then, stay safe, and we will talk to you soon. 